Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our series on energy and utilities and what's driving change in our industry. Uh, today, I'm in, uh, joined by two of my great colleagues, Diane and Paul. Uh, starting with Diane, why don't you introduce yourself? Great. Thanks, Peter. My name is Diane Gucci. I'm the Vice President in Canada of Analytics and AI uh, with a special focus lately on utilities. Great. And Paul? Hi, Peter. My name is Paul Kulpas. I'm an analytics architect in Diane's analytics practice, uh, focused on cloud analytics in the Azure platform. Very good. Thank you. And as uh, you can probably guess from uh, our guest today, we're going to be talking about data analytics and how it affects uh, energy and utility companies. And uh, this is uh, an area that's been very interesting. Uh, everybody will uh, know in the, this industry that there's no lack of data. The big problem is understanding <laughs> Uh, where that data all is, getting it in a timely fashion, making sure it's accurate, and then uh, using it to drive decisions. And this is all part of becoming a digital-driven business. Um, open up uh, to both of you, uh, Diane and Paul. Uh, you can figure out who wants to answer first. Um, what do you see as the main things driving data and the, the uh, stakeholders and the different groups? How do you see this uh, going forward? Great, I can take that one, uh, Peter. I, I think there's a number of things that are really driving the drive for use of data. Uh, the obvious one being our 45, 50 years of investment in operational systems and data storage. But you know, a few things have come together that have really driven um, the demand for data. One is our citizens are super savvy now. You can open up your phone app, you've got smart devices, uh, and the last two years, we've all sat and watched the news as we've used data in uh, the pandemic to drive decisions. Uh, so the expectation is that information is available and organizations are customizing services, personalizing services, and providing options for cost savings, energy savings, um, you know, conservation, smart use of energy. Um, and a lot of organizations are, are providing this in in digital apps to let customers and citizens use that information for their best purposes. Um, another thing that's really brought it together is the move to cloud architectures, cloud data, because it's making it easier and quicker to be able to pull information together and present it to different data stakeholders, whether it's customers or internal people, data scientists. Um, so the combination of the citizens being ready, the technology being at a point where it really is cost effective and easier to pull it together. And then the investment that we've all made in collecting data has just kind of made it a perfect storm for data and analytics to be the future. That's perfect. Uh, and what do you see? It's interesting, you mentioned uh, the lines of business in IT. Do you see the uh, lines blurring between who's getting the data and who's using the data or how that's working out? Yeah, I'd say there's a real tug of war going on, which is a bit fun for us to watch. Traditionally, um, data warehousing and APIs, ETLs, uh, the tools we use to pull data belong to IT. What we're seeing is that uh, the, the use of information is more driven by business and executives. Um, so we're pulling the data and all of the processes that go with it closer to the business. And a lot of organizations, specifically in utilities, are spinning off new departments, branches, expertise that are focused on digitized digitization and analytics um, and pulling it out or of IT where IT is becoming more of a platform um, stabilization platform support um, tool, but the data itself belongs to the business, which is where it should be in order for it to be leveraged uh, for, for business purposes. 
Yeah, I can tell you a bit of a story. I was doing a, a meeting with a client a little while ago, and we were talking about environmental social governance and the need for data for that. And it was actually interesting. This particular client uh, is on their digital journey. I would say that they're not exactly connected at the business and IT level um, as much as you just indicated. And it was interesting to see that I actually had to explain what ESG was to the IT department, even though they have all the data that the business needs uh, to prove this yeah. out. There was a disconnect. Um, do you see that in other situations where there's a disconnect between maybe even out to the IoT data and AMI data and so on? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Then maybe Paul will want to add a more technical lens. You know, we really are seeing different layers of data stakeholders. And uh, the the way that we work with data has changed from loading, you know, years and years of, of operational data, transforming it and storing it in a relational EDW, which can take months to, to perform, um, to being able to support the different types of data stakeholders. So one would be the data scientists and savvy data analysts that want access to closer to raw, closer to real-time data to find insights. Uh, organizations are building out their business analysts to be more power users and develop, rather than doing data extracts and presenting Excel, developing interactive dashboards, uh, reporting that's uh, repeatable using a lot of automated functions. And finally, um, you have the executives and business decision makers that want to be able to follow a data story and not just have to recreate it in Excel over and over again. Um, so those are the the drivers of pulling data. I'm going to hand it to Paul who can talk a bit about how we support that. Yeah, so I think one of the big changes that's occurring over the last uh, few years is the notion that there's all of this valuable business data that's stored in Excel sheets or Word documents offline. Uh, and up until now, the, the data that's been trapped in there has been relatively opaque. It's costly and difficult to get that information out. And it's uh, difficult to create repeatable processes. The new analytics technology uh, environment, particularly in the cloud, now allows us to start unlocking that value, pull that information that we've always known was out there but couldn't really easily leverage and bring that into our analytics practice and provide that value. Yeah, I think the real key is self-serve, regardless mm. of who you are. If you're a data scientist, you don't wanna have to make 10 requests to different business data system owners to get the data. If you're a business analyst, you don't wanna to have to pull things together in Excel. And the real shift I think is for executives and management to be able to, as I say, follow that data story and not just rely on static PDFs and graphs and charts, but actually start to see cause and effect and have a, a very easy to interpret interface to be able to do that. That's the real shift, and that's the shift that that all the technology platforms are moving towards. And cloud is just making it faster and faster to be able to do that and get some decent performance. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think this points to a uh, couple of things that we often see as limitations for uh, digital adoption is a lack of trust of either the data, uh, a cultural maybe um, propensity not to actually uh, be organized in a way to use the data. So as people want to become data driven, I, I think that having this trust that you're referencing and the ability to get the data is going to be a major factor for them to actually then take action on it. Uh, do you see that as one of the factors when you're dealing with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. I think trust just speaks to the importance of data governance as a practice across a whole organization. For a long time, as Diane mentioned, the 
analytics was seen as an IT function. And so ownership of the data was the responsibility of IT somehow. Now we're really coming to understand that the value of the data is value to the business. And so the business needs to own that and to govern it because if they don't trust the numbers, they're not going to rely on the analytics. So how do we encourage uh, the leaders in the business uh, to begin to take on that ownership responsibility, be stewards of their own data, and to make sure that they're uh, supported in that journey, because that can be quite a daunting task at times. But the value of that is at the end of the day, everybody understands where the data is coming from, where the quality of the data is, what decisions could be relied upon, where you know where the data is gold-plated and could be and is relatively understood, where the data is a little bit still a little maybe softer, but uh, uh, can still be used for, for analysis purposes or, or directional analysis. Uh, and then where you absolutely don't want to go look at that data yet because it's just not ready for prime time. What, what sort of insights do you see people then getting this as they're starting to gain this trust in the data that it's it's moving forward? As you mentioned, some of it might be softer, some of it may be harder, but you know, there's been well-established things with smart meters and IoT devices, but assets and so on. So what sort of things do you see people sort of going, ah, I didn't realize that. Now I've got, I've got a better viewpoint. Yeah, I think, you know, as we pull in more organizational data, um, you know, one of the real shifts is is the way in which we pull it in and it's it's with a purpose. So we're not loading the entire organization's data into the cloud in one massive swoop. We're really focused on getting that quick return on investment. So loading it by initiative, business question, or use case so that you start to get the answers to your questions very quickly and, and iteratively, incrementally grow your data platform so you get that enterprise lens. Some of that data you talked about, IoT data, AMI data, streaming IoT, the data is huge. Um, and if you try to stream it all, you know, you're going to have data overloaded. You're just not even going to know where to begin. But if you have a, a use case or a question that relies on that data, you bring it in in a purposeful way. Um, some of the architecture components that are in place now with a data lake where you can bring in that unstructured data so it's accessible and available and then decide which of that data you're going to promote into um, a data warehouse or a semantic business context layer. Um, you can decide based on what the question is that you're trying to use that data to answer. Um, you know, to Paul's point, you know, knowing what the quality of the data is, putting it together in a way that is meaningful is really what's going to drive the change. And, and by doing it by use case, you're being able to do that. Um, another thing we're seeing is good enough data is a great place to start rather than waiting for another 10 years for the data to be perfect. You know, your data likely will never be perfect, but by using an analytics platform early on with good enough data, you can start to use that to inform what the quality of information is. How do I have to normalize the information like your IoT data may be collected at different time intervals? How can I, I normalize that so I'm using it in a way that it means something? And then also build continuous improvement for your data quality. Monitor being able to point back to the data source and, and resolve things so over time that data is going to get even more valuable. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And we've seen that in other examples. Uh, we've um, the oil and gas uh, industry, we've built some models and in, in the utilities model, particularly in the UK that we've now adopted here in North America, uh, making the data available 
um, the old, I guess the old method was go uh, hassle the old hardware systems and change the old uh, ERP system to give you the new data. Now you're actually going directly to the data source and validating it. You're no longer, uh, you know, requiring a new report out of a system that takes six months to build. Um, and I, I see that uh, one of the main advantages of moving to the cloud. Would you see that this is a bit of a cultural shift uh, for people or are they adopting that quickly? No, absolutely. It's a it's a shift. The idea that um, we up until now we've been very focused on source systems and thinking about what data is in what source system. And if I want to answer this question, I go to that that data source. And if I want to answer that question, I've got to go over here. The idea that we can start to now bring that data out into our uh, data lake and then begin the process of modeling it there lightly at first and then maybe with more intentionality uh, as it, as the business question evolves, we're starting to create new objects uh, that are integrated across sources and do not exist anywhere else. And the business value of that has been a real eye-opener for a lot of our clients. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, one because you, you're sort of springing things out to the light of day and then applying them for different purposes. And uh, I, I think culturally, some of the uh, clients too have this situation where, um, and you mentioned organizing new groups for data, there's uh, maybe the legacy group that says, this is my data, let's say in my asset system or in my ERP. But as people do energy transition, maybe go into hydrogen or uh, even as you uh You've also talked a little bit about the human factor into health and safety and into other areas. Um, this data is being applied for new purposes, and there's still, I guess, this data ownership, and then uh, there's this new application for it. So how do you see the, the old guard working with the new guard, or do you see that an issue? Yeah, I, I think it's a part of that data governance transformation. Of what, how are you going to manage this data platform as a product? Um, a lot of what we do is agile analytics. We have product ownership. So you might have the source system or the use case having a product owner, but the overall platform needs to have ownership and it can um, help inform. It, it, it's an interesting governance model because in utilities and the energy industry, there's so many different source systems that are used to manage different parts of the operation um, and pulling those together into a joint governance uh, group uh, really requires some coordination, which is why data governance is is so critical to making sure it's really the foundation to make sure that this incremental build out of organizational enterprise level data is is well managed. Um, you know, so so I think you know you you really have to coordinate to understand what is the data source, what is the purpose of that data source in that larger enterprise lens, and then how do we manage that along with uh, new entities that may come out of it. You know, it, the real value then is that you might have concepts that come from multiple data sources that become new and you, you stop having the risk of running two different reports from two different systems and get a different number. Simple things like headcount. You know, am I looking at FTEs? Am I looking at, at bodies? Am I including contractors? If you can create those pre-canned objects or pre-canned queries, you know, then you're, the folks that are building out your reporting are going to be all using that same joint entity as, as kind of an example of, you know, how, how we can make that easier, which is really what it's about. We hear that over and over again, is this is a great idea, but don't make it harder. <laughs> Just to add to that, I, you know, I think we've also got, a lot of experience with clients where in particular in the utility sector there are 
quite often quite strong silos. You know, there's generation, there's transmission, and there isn't a lot of, of conversation between the two. And if we can start to break down those silos and share data across, that's when the new insights start to emerge. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, health and safety, our industry is very focused in on health and safety. I mean, there's a a bit of a trend to say we've always done it this way, so we'll always do it that way because this way it keeps it from catching fire, blowing up or hurting people. But I I think that you've also been able to find that some of these insights actually can improve health and safety and training and things. Do you have any examples on that? Yeah, I mean... You know, if, if we look at uh, some of the, the provinces with extreme weather, you know, knowing where teams are real time, deploying teams in a way that that you're making sure the right person is going to the right place, you know, and anything that you can do virtually or remotely, which, you know, really um, organizations have had to do that during COVID, being able to leverage that in the future you know, all the way to collecting data from, from different assets that were dangerous to send someone up a pole, being able to leverage drones or satellite data so that you can get the information, you can collect it digitally and avoid sending a human in a situation that maybe isn't safe, depending on weather or temperature or just because of the logistics of getting that information. Um, the way we collect data is changing and, and uh, the the robustness and the quality of that information, if you collect it digitally, real time, you know, also becomes better rather than relying on someone having to enter it later if they're somewhere without connectivity. So all of those things are, are we've looked at um, the human factor in optimizing uh, resource allocation and how people travel. Um, the other area is, you know, we, we're all suffering is baby boomers are retiring in resource capacity constraints. So again, how can organizations do things smarter, which also lines up with safety? If there's a way that we can do it smarter, lean on humans a little bit less or put humans in a place where, you know, that we're best suited at, at working and allow automation and collection of information remotely um, to take place to support that. So those are some of the use cases we look at is really looking at the human factor. And we've spent quite a bit of time with um, prairie and remote uh, operations and trying to see how can we help those um, folks get better real-time data and, and get it in a way that's more automated. Well, that sounds really great. Um, as we sort of wrap this up, um, uh, any sort of final thoughts that you'd like to leave people with? What uh, If you had to give them one or two things to think about when they go back to the office on uh, the day after listening to this, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the real takeaways is is that there is just such a strong citizen demand for data-driven decision-making and, and allowing them to um, have insights into information that's going to save time and cost and money and all of those things, um, I think are, are really critical. And that's going to be a real driver across all industries um, in moving towards better ways of, of managing our data. Um, you know, I, I think waiting too long to, to jump on board or, you know, worrying about the, the cost effectiveness, there is such a quick ROI for being able to leverage information and make some real cost saving and time saving um, investments that, that, you know, now is the time that the demand is there and waiting for good enough data or I'm going to wait and see what the next thing that comes out, it isn't necessary because there's such a strong roadmap for being able to drive this forward now. And lots of great use cases of where organizations are getting a real quick benefit from leaning on their data. I don't know, Paul, is there anything you want to add to that? 
Yeah, I think maybe just the, the we have this notion that the analytics are downstream of the of the uh, operational systems, and with the data governance lens, we discover that actually, you know, it's all, it's a continuum where the data ca capture is just as important as the data analysis, and we can see that end to end stream, and that the analytics isn't the end of the journey. Like the the data sets that we are creating and preparing here. There's an audience for that that wants to take that and take it further. The data science communities, share, data sharing with, uh, with partners and internally. There's so much opportunity to uh, create valuable data products within the organization in, and while satisfying your analytics needs. I like that. I, I like that whole thing there. I mean, I rem one of my favorite sayings is if you make it perfect, sometimes it's perfectly late. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, good enough uh, moving forward. I mean, we're in an industry where there's caution again about things, uh, uh, the types of stuff we deal with. But again, uh, understanding, as you mentioned early, the, the quantitative value of that data, is this gold plated? I like those words. Or is this something that uh, we've had to estimate gives people a sense of moving forward. And uh, we've seen examples of uh, reducing major operational costs and understanding smart meter data, uh, understanding which meters sort of report in every night and uh, they say I'm, I'm here so that when somebody calls in and says my power is out, we have an understanding of whether their smart meter is one that we can trust if it says it's off, is it really off? Um, and therefore, we actually drive different behavior of people uh, on the call center to ask a few more questions. And that, that was a million dollars a year bottom line improvement for one client uh, each and every year in unnecessary truck rolls. So there's a real cause and benefit to this. And I appreciate you both. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Diane and Paul. And uh, uh, we will chat at you with the, on the next call. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter.